Um, today, we are continuing our series on worship. I'm so excited about today and what God wants to share with us all. I believe it's needed. I believe it's timely. It's timely every day of every week that we live, and uh, I'm grateful for this opportunity to share. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the word in worship, halal, which uh, is one of the seven Hebrew words of praise. and It is that, that root word of praise, and, it, and amongst other words, it means clamorous, to be clamorously foolish, right? And we talked about that um, a couple weeks ago, and boy, did, did y'all take that and run with it, right? Uh, it, got, it got clamorously foolish in here, uh, and it was awesome as we danced and celebrated the Lord together as a church. Today, I want to do the same thing, that we're going to look at two words today from those seven Hebrew words of praise that uh, give the same action, but come with different motives and different understandings for that word or for that action. And the action that we're talking about today is lifting our hands in worship, right? And a lot of times we come to church, you may be coming for a while and you'll see people in church lifting, your, lifting their hands. And so as you get uh, more comfortable in the room or in worship, or maybe your relationship with the Lord is growing and moving. And so you begin to do the same thing. And a lot of times it begins kind of here, right? And then there's that evolution. Oh my, I'm at my waist now. Thank you, Jesus. And now we're, oh, now the palms are facing out and then we're at our shoulders. And then, all right, we're going up and here we are. I made it, right? And we don't really know, we might not even really know why. We know our feelings, you know, tell us to do that, and the room is telling us to do that, but we don't understand the real why behind it. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about why we lift our hands to the Lord. Is it some religious obligation that churches do? Is it some fad? No, it is not even a little bit. It is scriptural, it is the Lord, and it is awesome, okay? So the first word of the two that we're going to look at today is yada. And it is a verb with root meaning the extended hand, to throw out the hand, therefore to worship with extended hand, to lift the hands. All right, pretty straightforward. According to the lexicon, the opposite meaning is to bemoan, the wringing of the hands, right? So, so we lift our hands uh, in praise to God. It is a commandment. And, and I want to read this verse that talks about that word yada, that form of praise. But I want to read it, y'all. This is, write this down. I'm going to read it in the King James Version here at Beaches Chapel. All right? It's, it's, yes, this is happening. It is on purpose. I thought about this, and here we go. Because it is so, it is so poetic. This is like poetry when, when, when we read this. And it's Psalm 63, verses 1 through 4. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus I will bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands, there it is, that, that yada, I will lift up my hands in thy name. So because your loving kindness is better than life, because you are like water to me in a dry and thirsty land, because you are those things to me, God, I lift my hands and I praise you. And on, it, just on an aside that really doesn't have much to do with today, I just want, I want to plug this really quick because as I was reading this verse in several other verses preparing for today's message, I read this verse, and I don't know about some of y'all if you've been in church for a while, but you're hearing some songs in there that we used to sing, Right? Anyone in here remember any of those? Yeah. And the reason that I want to bring this up is because that is why we do Family Sundays. I heard these songs when I was little. 
I heard this verse when I was little and I didn't know it was Psalm 63. All I know is, is so I will bless thee as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. And it was a melody and it was a song that we sang, but the word got planted in my heart. Y'all, we do Family Sunday so that these songs that we sing can be planted in the hearts of our children so that 20, 30, 40 years later, they stumble upon a verse and say, hey, I know that. The word of God is in me. And so it might get a little messy on family Sundays. It might be a little harder for our parents. And yes, all of our staff's children might be a total distraction, but it's worth it, all right? It's not y'all's children. It's like the staff. It's, you know, it's crazy. But that's why we do it. So the word can get in them. So truth can get in them. I love that. I'm so grateful. But back to the, back to the point we're making here. Our God, is, his loving kindness is better than life. He is water when we are thirsty. And it is not a water that makes us be thirsty again. It is living Holy Spirit water that runs in us. It is power. And so whether we are in a dry and thirsty land or we are in a prosperous land, we have the Holy Spirit's living water. And we can praise God for that by lifting our hands and saying, thank you, God. So it's not a question of why do we lift our hands. It's why wouldn't we lift our hands? Why wouldn't we lift our hands? Because he is those things. And the second word is tauda, which comes from the same principal root word as yada, but is used more specifically. Tauda literally means an extension of the hand in adoration, a vowel, and a vowel is to make a declaration or, an accept, or acceptance. By way of application, it is apparent in the Psalms and elsewhere that it is used for thanking God. Check this out, y'all. For things not yet received as well as things already at hand. So this word is adoration, acceptance, thanks for things not yet received. And and when I think of all those words together in one package, you know what I believe that word is saying when we lift our hands in this way, it's saying, God, I trust you. I trust you for who you are. I trust that who you say you are is who you are. I trust that when when you have promises that are for me, and even though I haven't seen them yet, I thank you now. I thank you now. And so I lift my hands to you. Have you ever thought about lifting your hands as a thanksgiving to God? There are are moments in our life where we just can't thank God enough. When we say it over and over, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it just doesn't feel enough. So what do we do? We lift our hands. I have to express it. I have to show it in action. So God, I lift my hands to you. And I say thank you for what you've done and for what you are going to do. I'm thanking you in advance for what you are going to do. I adore you, Lord. We sang that song on Wednesday night at our worship night, which if you were here, you know, it was unreal. We sang that song, Gratitude. So I throw up my hands and I praise you again and again because all that I have is a hallelujah. I can't, I can't give you back what you've given me. There's nothing that I can offer you that is going to measure up to what you, God, have done for me in my life. So I simply lift my hands in thankfulness to you. And I say, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. And these words are are amazing words. And we can can nod our head and we say, yes, that's in the Bible and that's good. But I have a question for you. And this is what I really want to talk about this morning. How do we get to those places? How do you get to the place in your worship, in your walk with the Lord, where you can say, God, your loving kindness is better than life? That is a bold statement. 
It's great to read about and nod in church over, but in our hearts, are we really saying that? God, your love for me is greater than life. It is better than life. You are the water that I need in a dry and weary land. God, I really am thanking you for things that I haven't seen yet. Or am I replacing that thankfulness with worry and stress and anxiety and doubt? How do we get to those places? How do we get to that place in our life and in our walk with the Lord where we can truly, with all of our heart, say that, God, you are better than life itself. And so I have to lift up my hands. The way that we get to that place in our life is by understanding who God really is. Without a knowledge of God in our life and who he is, we can't get to that place. Not truly, not ultimately. And what we need to understand this morning what I want you all to hear, more than provider, protector, companion, friend, counselor, all of those things fall under the umbrella of God as our heavenly father. He is your father. He is your father. And listen to me. There are those of us in here this morning that need to hear this desperately. As your heavenly father, he loves you so much. He loves you so much. He is so proud of you. He brags on you. He loves you. It's not because of the things that you've done. It's not not because you've earned it. You haven't disqualified yourself because of the things that you've done. Things that almost stopped you from coming here this morning. He loves you because he's God. And when we can walk in that truth, then yes, his loving kindness over us is better than life itself. His love for us is that water that we need in the dry and thirsty land. Ephesians chapter one, starting in verse three, says this, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. I wanna go back to that part where it says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Listen, y'all, confession. I don't know what that means, all right? I don't know what that means. And anyone I believe that tries to tell you that they do is lying. Because blessing us with every blessing of the heavenly realms is too big for us to wrap our brain around. I don't know what all the blessings in the heavenly realms are. I don't. But I know this. I want them. Right? (laughs) I don't know what they are, God. But I want them. Give me all the realms. As your son and as, as your daughter, God, Father God, give me those blessings, right? I don't know what they are. It sounds good, right? Verse four, even before he made the world, God loved us. I'm gonna say this again. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Even before he made the world. Even before you tried to prove yourself to God, even before you failed God. It's not about our works, y'all. Before he made the world, 
So before he, did, he put the stars in the sky, before he separated the light and the darkness, before he separated the sea and the land, he said, oh, I love them. I love you so much. And I'm going to make a world for you to enjoy that shows you how much I love you. I'm going to make the ocean. I'm going to make palm trees. I'm going to make the mountains and the snow. I'm going to put a giant hole in the ground in Arizona for you to go to and take a selfie in front of and then go on your way, right? I'm just going to show off for you so that you can enjoy it. I'm going to make cows for you to eat and pigs for you to eat so you can take part of a cow and part of a pig and put it between a bun and have an amazing Sunday afternoon. And for those that choose not to enjoy the deliciousness of meat, whatever, I'm going to create butter. And it's going to make the plants that you ate taste somewhat good. But just so you know, vegetarians, the blessings in those heavenly realms, part of that is bacon. Before he made the world, he made the world for us to enjoy. And then what do we do? We get in the world and we mess it up. Let me keep reading. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure so we praise God. We lift our hands for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He's saying, I have so much kindness and I have so much grace. I am, I am boiling over with, with kindness and grace. I got to do something with it. I got to give it to y'all. I got to give all this that I'm rich in. But it's going to come with a cost. So I'm going to give you my son with his blood, to forgive our sins. Verse eight, he showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Don't tell me that God isn't good like we sang about earlier. He loves us so much. So we praise God. We praise him. Don't ever come into worship, y'all. Don't ever come into church. Don't ever come into a prayer time where it's just you and the Lord and think that you're not, you're not worthy or you're not, you're not good enough because of what you've done. Don't ever disqualify yourself from God's love for you because he loved you before you could do all those things. He wasn't waiting for you to be good. He said, I loved you before I made the world. Don't you dare think that you've disqualified yourself from my love. Romans 5.8, God showed us his love by sending Jesus to die on the cross while we were still sinners. He said, I'm going to nail my son to a cross for a people that are going to reject me, mock me, 
forget about me. I'm going to do it now. I'm not going to wait for them to get their act together. No, he loves us right where we are at. Thank you, Jesus. When, you know, I, I, my, my story, my testimony in, in terms of my walk with the Lord, and I grew up in church. I grew up here. Only, this is the only church I've ever been to. The only church I've ever been a part of. And I got saved when I was very young, six, seven years old. And I believed in my heart. And I, I confessed with my mouth that Jesus was Lord. And praise God that I don't have this, you know, major, you know, this different life that I lived before Jesus and then it radically shifted. I grew up with Jesus. I used to think that wasn't a testimony. It's an amazing testimony. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But even, even when I was on staff here in my early years, I was full-time minister and pastor. You know what really woke me up to God's love for me? It was when Jesse and I had our first daughter, our first child. And here, but here's the thing. It wasn't that I loved her so much and I'm like, wow, God, you love me this much. Like it wasn't this outpouring of love that I had for her that made me, it was, it was in my failures as a parent because our, our, our first, our first child, she was not the easiest. She wasn't. And I, and I, and so I had this tug of war going, this, this, my selfishness came to the surface really quick because I, I'm, I'm loving her, but she's, she, she, she won't stop crying, too, you know? <laughs> and she was stubborn. And I'm like, Lord, I know you're going to use this one day. But right now, I'm dying. And so there was this frustration, right? And this, this, dare I say, annoyance that was mixed with love. And parents, can, you know what I'm talking about here. And, and I, it was in those moments where I realized, where I was, I, Lord, you never feel this way about me. You never get frustrated and impatient and grind your teeth and just like, just stop it, right? I mean, maybe you do, but it's in a much more loving way, right? But that's not how God is. And it really, it, I'm not kidding, it woke me up to how much God really loves us. Because we can call God our father and all this stuff, but until we like are in that situation, like, man, this is hard. They're not listening. And God never gets frustrated with us. Thank you, Jesus. He is a good father. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Listen, God loves us so much. He loves you so much. He loves you, not the person next to you, not me, the pastor. He loves you so much that he literally breaks into song over you. So I hate to break it to you. If you don't like The Greatest Showman or you don't like Newsies or any of those musicals, you know, heaven is a musical, okay? It's a musical where, where, where the saints and the angels are praising and, and worshiping the Lord in song. And you know what God's doing? He's singing back over us. He's singing back over his people. God sings songs of delight over you. Do you realize that? I've never done that. I love my girls like crazy. I've never, oh, over them. God does. Maybe Valerie probably does. 
Actually, I'm pretty sure she does. I love you. Good night. But that's what God does. It's a musical, y'all. So when he sees you, he sings songs over you. Amazing. You ever stop and really think about that? Hmm. God does all these things because he is a proud father. He is proud of you. But James, I haven't done anything to be proud of. He loves you anyway. James, my earthly father isn't proud of me. He abandoned me. He abused me. He was there, but he wasn't. He was not a good father. So why would God be? God wants to redeem that in you. He wants to redeem that in you. Where you didn't have that earthly father, God's like, I got you. You're mine anyway. Before you were his, you're mine. Because I loved you before the world was made. He didn't love you before then. I did. So let me fill that hole in your heart. Because I am proud of you and you are mine. Don't let anyone ever say otherwise. Don't let any lie of the enemy say otherwise. Don't let an experience with your earthly father tell you otherwise. Listen to what I say about you. Listen to the songs I sing over you. I love you. I love you. Are you hearing me, church? <laughs> our, our youngest, sorry, I'm talking about my kids a lot today, but it's, it's the only thing that we do in life. <laughs> I have no other examples. Um, but our youngest, I guess when she started crawling or whatever, like I, when I would want to go to pick her up, I didn't know I was doing this at the time, but I would clap twice, you know, before I would go, you know, come here like that. It was just like mainly because I thought she was part animal. I don't know. Um, but it was just an instinctual thing that I did, right? Where I'm, come here, you know? And so as she started walking getting older, she would do that back to me. She'd come to me and go, and I was like, why is she doing that? And Jesse's like, because you did it to her, you dummy, right? And so now she does that, she, and it's like the best thing. And there are times, though, when I am in the middle of something, and it's like, now, okay, but she's in, what I love is she's insistent. She's insistent for me to hold her when she wants me to hold her. And so she claps twice, and she lifts her hands, and I pick her up, and I, get, and I hold her. And in those moments where I'm holding her, she cannot offer me anything besides her affection. She can't pay the utility bill. She's not going to mow the grass later for me, right? She's not going to cook dinner for Jesse. She just wants to be held. And you know what's awesome? That's all I want from her. I'm not asking her to do this, that, and the other for me. And there are times when she asks me to hold her, she got a dirty diaper on. And not number one, y'all. Number two, you know what? I hold her anyway. And then I put her down and I steer her towards her mother. <laughs> and I say, good girl. <clears throat> but I never don't pick her up because of her dirty diaper. Y'all, let's be real. We go to the Lord sometimes and we lift our hands to him 
and we got a stinky old nasty explosion out of the diaper, dirty diaper, right? That stains the car seat, right? That's all sorts of different colors. I know I'm grossing y'all out. Let's just roll with it. Like we can go to God with a dirty diaper. I don't sit there and go, you better change yourself. You better clean yourself up. No, God picks us up and he goes, it's okay. I'm going to clean you off. I'm not going to put you down on the ground and point you to someone else to clean you off because I'm grossed out by it. I'm going to clean you up with all the messes, with all the dirt, with everything that you did in your life, the mistakes that you made, you come to me and I'm going to clean you up. All we have to do is The clapping is optional. <laughs> Luke 15, starting in verse 11. This is the, this is the parable of the prodigal, prodigal son. And I want to focus especially, we're going to read the whole thing, but I want to focus on what, what the dad's reaction is here. But then he says, there was once a man, this is Jesus talking, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, I want, I want right now what's coming to me. Translation, let's pretend you're dead and I'm getting my inheritance. So the father divided the property between them, he and his brother. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to feel it. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to the, his fields to, sl, uh, to slop the pigs. He was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. This is the father, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his, spe his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a prize-winning heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. They began to have a musical, right? He was singing and rejoicing over his son. And I love what it says here. Listen, y'all, the son turned around. You know what repentance is in our life? It's turning around. It's not saying, God, I'm sorry. Let me do this, this, that, and the other, and then I'll be qualified to be your son or your daughter again. It's turning around. That is it. And so the son turns around. He says, I'm done with that life. I'm going back to my father. And the father sees him from far off and he runs to him. And as the son is rehearsing the speech and saying, well, I've done this, that, and I don't deserve to be your son. He's like, I just, yeah. I'm not interested in that. Don't ever say that you're not qualified to be my son. You are my son. Don't ever think that you have disqualified yourself from my love. You are my son and you are my daughter. And I'm going to sing over you because you're back. Y'all, he loves you. He loves you so much. And the more that we can walk in that, the sooner we, we will be able to say, your love for me is greater than my life. 
the sooner that we can understand how much he loves us, we are able to lift our hands and say, thank you for the things that I haven't even received yet. Thank you, because you are good. Because you are a God of love. And that's it. And when, he, when we come back to him, I love that imagery from the message. The father's heart's pounding. Boom, 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 boom. He's so excited to see his son return to him. Do not for a second let guilt and shame stop you from running to your heavenly father who loved you before he created the world. Not before you did a lot of really good things for him. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in that reality now. As, as pastor here, you know, my, my, my prayers when I, when I first started here was, you know, like, Lord, equip me for the, as, you know, I'm your servant. That's what I always say. God, I'm your servant. Kind of to remind me and make sure I didn't get ahead of myself to be prideful and, and where he's put me. God, I am your servant. I am your servant. And that was the verbiage over and over. God, and he said, one day he just said, hey, yeah, but you're my son first. Like, oh, right. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding me of that first, that it's not about what we do. It's not about our, our title or the identity that we are searching for in whatever the world has to offer us. Our identity is found in God, our Father. And so we lift our hands and we praise him for that very thing. We're going to have the band come back up. We're going to close in worship this morning. I want to read these two verses out of John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go all the tr uh, to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. God has adopted us all as his sons and daughters, because he gave his only true begotten son to the world to be nailed to a cross. He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to die for our sins, to become the sin, to be the punishment that we deserved, knowing full well the failures that we were gonna have, the mistakes that we were gonna make, the sins that we were gonna commit, he said, I'm going to take my son, my one true son, and I'm going to nail him to a cross, and he's going to suffocate. He's going to be in such pain, but it's so that I can adopt all of us in as sons and daughters of the Most High God to be part of his family. He gave us Jesus. Y'all, he proved his love for us. It's not just words. It's not empty words. He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus. And it wasn't just this little thing. He, he, Jesus died a brutal death. So painful. Excruciating pain. church. You wouldn't have to open your Bible at home. You wouldn't have to say, well, I, I can't, I just can't, God, I can't talk to you today because I haven't been good. Give me a break. That is the enemy. 
do not disqualify yourself from God's love. I want to pray for you this morning. We're going to have our, our elders come up. And if you need to receive Jesus this morning, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is the time. This is the time. But let me say this. If you have anything else that you are walking through right now and you need prayer for, we want to stand in agreement and pray with you. Whatever it might be. It can be the littlest thing or life-altering stuff. But let's approach the altar this morning with the understanding, like what Ben said earlier, God is good. He is the source of goodness. And he is the source of love. And he loves you. And he is proud of you. And he is so glad to call you his son, his daughter. And he literally sings it over you. And as we worship, let's lift our hands this morning to a God who loves us. Let's lift our hands in thankfulness to God. And let's worship him for who he is. Our Father in heaven who has promised to bless us with all the blessings in the heavenly realms. Y'all want those too, right? Am I the only one? All right, elders, why don't you come up? Why don't y'all stand to your feet? If you need prayer this morning, just come on up.